Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Looking for the Light, your podcast about The Last of Us HBO show, how it ties into The Last of Us video game made by Last of Us fans for Last of Us fans. I am your host, Michael Abeliff, here with my awesome host, Axel Hamill, and we are in to break down another episode. This episode, frankly, is going to be a little bit different. Instead of just talking about one episode, we decided to combine both episode four and episode five of the Last of Us HBO series into one episode because, as those of us who have seen it, we know that this is a very different episode from the ones that we have seen thus far. I feel like I see that every single episode, but this is a huge uh, character development, These both of these episodes, both episode four and five. We get a lot more information about Joel and Ellie. We get introduced to a couple of new characters, well, new character to the whole world of The Last of Us overall. And we also get to see them moving through Kansas City, uh, the the show stand-in for Pittsburgh from the game, uh, and moving through and now out onto the next chapter of it. So definitely a little bit different for the show, different from the game, different for us as fans to kind of have to take in all of this information and dissect it. But we're going to have fun with it. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to dive into it and make sure that we try and cover every single little detail that came across in these two episodes. But we're going to have a lot of fun. So for The Last of Us HBO series, episode four titled Please Hold My Hand and episode five titled "Survive, Endure and Survive, um, let's first of all talk a little bit about the fourth episode. Now, we pretty much see this episode entirely through the eyes of Joel and Ellie. We get a little bit of our new introduced character, Kathleen, who seems to be the leader of the Kansas City Resistance Force against Fedra. Uh, but we really get a lot of uh, character development, uh, a lot of depth, a lot of complexity, both in Joel and Ellie. Something that we didn't get this early on into the game, but it's still something that when you're transitioning from uh, a video game platform of engaging with your audience to a show platform, the the fans of the show thus far really need to get more information about these characters in order for them to really stick through to the very end and to have some kind of impact on the audience once you get to the very end. So definitely see why it was important for them to have this development, but uh, it's also interesting to get this new breath of fresh air, if you will, right, on getting some more perspectives and getting some enriching of the characters as a whole. Axel, I know the fourth episode was something uh, was an episode that really uh, vibed with you, connected with you, and I, I think you saw a lot of the value in that fourth episode. Love to hear some of your take on those character developments that we got. Yeah, Mike, I uh, I do agree with you. I think this episode was was uh, kind of a turning point for us uh, in a lot of ways. Um, again, for all my, my Pittsburgh fans out there, uh, I feel your sorrow and sadness. But you, do you know what? One thing that uh, we end up finding out uh, uh, watching these episodes and comparing it to the games is that if you've ever played the game and you've, you've played Pittsburgh, have you ever noticed that 99 to 100% of the, the enemies you face there are, are all males. Not a single female to be seen in the entire city of Pittsburgh. Not a single they, one. Not, not even worth calling it 99%. 100% all guys 100%. in the video game. I think Neil and Craig Mason, 
did an amazing job sort of uh, re- revising that whole stature of, of, uh, of the plot. Um, not only moving to a different city, Kansas City, in this part, particular version, but um, also adding a little bit more of a female-led character in that in that scene and actually see like more of a, a diverse group of people in a city. So uh, uh, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Craig, for uh, making things a little bit more diverse for the audience here. Uh, number two, uh, focusing on sort of the character development of, of uh, Joel and Ellie to begin with. Um, we kind of see the same attributes of of traveling across the country as we do in the games but thank god we finally understand what it's like to stop for gas every hour and and finding like the resources you would do in the games too right we finally start to see as fans like what it's like to to be in this urban wasteland of a world right Right. um uh, couldn't be more realistic and authentic that way and also you know when you when you when you when you spend some time in the forest right one of the interesting things that ellie mentions is uh you know, what are we afraid of? Is there anything to be afraid of? And, and Joel, you know, uh, ultimately lies to Ellie and says, no, there's nothing to be afraid of, go to sleep. But then he spends all night literally watching for, for enemies, right? Like that's right. how paranoid you are. Having been in, in both sides of the realm, like you've been uh, a raider, you've been a, a defender. Uh, right. So you kind of know how other people think. It t- plays to your advantage, but also gives you a fear factor, right? right. So amazing, yeah. amazing uh, development of sort of the background there. And, uh, you know, as we go through the the story and we, we unfold in, in Kansas City, um, you know, uh, I think we're starting to see not only Joel open up to Ellie, but also we see a, a more remorseful side of Joel that we haven't really seen before in the portrayals of, of him in the games. Like, uh, let's be honest, I mean, uh, I think Joel in the games is a bit of an asshole, an antihero, right? Like, mm-hmm. he has no remorse for anybody he finds and that is essentially blocking his way. But in... In the show, number one thing when we get to Kansas City, you know, you're trying to defend yourself. He tells Ellie, "You get in that corner and don't look back, because you're not going right. to like what you see." Basically, um, right? And you know, he uh, not only goes on full beast mode as we've really wanted to see, but um, we also see an attribute of him that we see in games where you have an option to either a uh, so show remorse or b show no mercy. And uh, just like in, you know, uh, valuable for the for the players of the games, like you see that, you know, Joel shows no mercy still. Like that attribute of him is still around, but he doesn't do it in front of Ellie, right? So you can see yeah. that she, he has some humanity in him and has empathy for others in the sense that or close to him, right? Um, but they're not like, holding it away from what you need to survive, right? Right. Sometimes if you need to survive, you cannot show any remorse whatsoever. And it's, I think of, that's a big thing. Sorry to cut you off, but it's an important thing to note. Like, we do notice every episode there are differences between the characters that are portrayed in the show and the characters from the game. If they made Joel out to be someone who is overly emotional, remorseful, you know, empathetic, it would not be the exact same Joel that we had in the game and that we were so used to for Joel being that anti-hero, being that, you know, don't want to call him a badass because there's a lot of things that, <coughs> excuse me, that Joel did that were not cool, if you want to call it that, right? But that he, you know, it was important for them, I think, in the show to still show that this guy he is still a killer. He is still someone who's cutthroat. He's done things in the past, and maybe we'll get more of a more light into what he has done in the past. But that they didn't make him into someone who's soft, you know, like that that scene in the fourth episode where 
the guy begs for them not to kill him and Joel still kills him, you know. There there is, you know, that's still true to to the true character that we know as Joel. But you bring up a really good point, Axel, in that, you know, he he tells Ellie to look away. He he apologizes to Ellie and says, What you're going through as a kid, you shouldn't have to go through this, you shouldn't have to see this. That does not exist in Joel as the character in the game. Joel's kind of more like you know, this is this is reality. This is what you have to do to survive. Either suck it up and do it yourself, or you're just not going to make it. So there, there. It's diff. It's important to note these differences that uh, that you have between the show and the game and how they're portraying these characters. Interesting that they're doing it like that. Do you have any opinions and any uh, any theories on why they're kind of showing this side of Joel, this a, a different side of Joel? in the show as opposed to in the game could it be because there were five episodes in and they need to start showing how you know kind of all sides of joel as a whole what do you think about that axel i think there's probably like two sides of the coin there i think um in the games it i think joel is certainly more radical um and i think it works in a game environment um you know you're only trying to get past an obstacle it really doesn't matter how you're doing that. You need to get from point A to point B, but it doesn't really work like that in a in a real story setting, right? Um, if you're really trying to, and you know, for lack of a better term, if you're trying to advance the story and the character development between the two, like you have to show what is what is ultimately driving this theme of love in The Last of Us, right? Um, and I think this brings up our second point, which is. There's a whole lighter side to Joel that we're starting to see, slowly but surely, and that's brought up by Ellie. So one thing we mentioned in our pilot episode is how is Bella Ramsey going to essentially carry the weight of the, the story of Ellie? Right. It's really integral to for the entire relationship between the two, right? And I think she did a phenomenal job um, portraying the lighter side of Ellie in episode four and five, for that matter. And what I mean by that is she keep, gives that lighter heart lighter-hearted story of uh, a girl who doesn't want to end up alone in this world, right? She's gone through a lot of her own uh, struggles in the past for what we know. Um, and she's trying to, she's a, a small girl in a big world she doesn't know anything about, you know. And so she jokes around about that, you know. She's trying to understand the realm and like what to do, what not to do. It's just like a, a toddler almost, right? Right. And I think Joel is trying, it's like, we don't, it's subconsciously becoming more of that father figure. We're not, they're not emphasizing that, but you can clearly see that, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I love the sort of the, the banter that the, the two have about the coffee, for example, in the, in the camp. And then uh, when they're driving, like Ellie says, you know, like I'm not family, and he Joel literally says, "No, you're cargo." Like at first, he's like, "No, you're, you're like you're literally nothing to me. You're like just an item," and uh, lying to himself, lying to himself, know, exactly, lying to himself at the same time because right. we see those hints of it. You know, we see those hints about how much he does care for her. Does he just really care for the the cargo that he's shipping, or is it, you know, is there reasons why he's you know, telling her to turn away. You know, we get that that he's empathetic. Right. He sees he sees the uh, the the pain that she's going through, witnessing all of these type of things. You know, and he he's trying to help her process it. Uh, big difference from the game. Joel kind of right. almost didn't care. You know, I think at this point in the game, we were just starting to break the initial layer of the onion. 
uh, in the game, or as, excuse me, rather, in the show, it seems like we've already started peeling back this onion. It took, mm-hmm. Joel started connecting with Ellie and connect, uh, you know, seeing Ellie almost as a surrogate daughter this early on. So maybe they're, maybe they're pushing this just because, uh, you know, we're five episodes in. We're more than halfway through the season. They've got to already have this connection. On top of that, too, let's think about it geographically. Pittsburgh is very close to uh, the New England area. We're mm-hmm. in Kansas City. We're in the Plains now. So they've already covered a significantly greater amount of distance than they did in the game. So to think, you know, they've already been on the road together for probably at least a week, you know, at this point in time, maybe more. Uh, so maybe they've kind of had a little bit more time. We'll, we'll, we'll have to we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But nothing, nothing extraordinary out of, uh, you know, out of left field. That's kind of like, no, they wouldn't be saying that at this point in time. No, they wouldn't be acting like that at this point in time. That's just kind of skews out the believability of the characters in the show. Am I right? Or do you think like everything is still believable thus far with the character interactions? Maybe believable is not the best way to describe it. I think one a better way to describe it is that it's it's more tailored to the story we're we're, we're looking to see. Mm-hmm. And what I'm what I mean by that is uh, again uh, pure comparison to to uh, the game versus the show. Uh, there's a lot of applications you can put into the game that make a lot more sense. Again, the more violence, uh, more cutthroat, straightforward progression. Um, but there's uh, these actors are so finite in the sense that they're trying to add a more human component to it that makes it more tailored to uh, again for us saying like this is now the Last of Us TV universe that's right. totally different from the game we have to keep that in mind right so one thing I want to mention is on that note uh, talking about believability um, they still added uh, when they got into into town they were they were hiding out. Um, this is where Ellie breaks that shell of Joel, right? He was sort of uh, picking on him a little bit, like, "Hey, here's my jokes," and, and finally he cracked. Got him to laugh for the first time. Got him to yeah. laugh for the first time, which is very unique. Like, this is the you know, I would love to like get a sense of uh, you know Joel's mentality there. Like, he is finally opened up to someone that shows that the theme of love once more time, right? Like, it's it's definitely there's a dynamic there's that's changing rapidly. Um, and uh, I would love to see sort of more banter like that in the future episodes um, and uh, understand sort of if Joel's going to just in the, in the games uh, reciprocate that a little bit more. Um, so I think that was, that was a finite detail I really loved about the character development of uh, Joel and Ellie in, in episode four and how we went from essentially two strangers to more of an intimate relationship towards the end of the episode. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, awesome, awesome analysis, Axel. Definitely agree with you. Let's take this and transition to uh, two more characters who were in the video game, but definitely had some pretty significant uh, differences. A lot of similarities, a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities as far as how we are introduced to them, how they interact with the characters, and how they parallel to the game. But definitely some differences that are worth talking about. So. Queuing in Henry and Sam uh, to, to to for let's say sleuths and diehard Last of Us fans, uh, the casting of Sam 
to be a character who is uh, deaf. Um, a lot of people, such as Axel, uh, were surprised by that, did not know that uh, that, that was coming. Uh, I was aware uh, because about a year ago, maybe more now at this point in time, uh, The Last of Us was posting casting calls online, and a lot of the internet's news were sharing them uh, and dissecting what these castings mean, but they specifically were looking for an African-American male under the age of 13 who was deaf and people connected the dots that that was going to be sam and we were correct with it so big difference that they took here by having this added element where sam is that much more dependent on henry now because henry and sam are one of the very very few people probably in this world who know how to speak this specific language american sign language so it only adds that much more necessity for sam to have henry as his protector because no one else can communicate with him properly of course we saw sam having this uh, magic erase board that he carries around with him i think that was a huge uh flashback for uh you know guys like us who are born in the early 90s definitely i remember seeing those when i was a kid uh so that was a cool little feature uh but you know definitely an interesting an interesting change away and uh watching the uh episode breakdown that releases after after the every every episode on the hbo series Craig Mazin talks about how he came up with this idea of making Sam deaf and, and Neil Druckmann's response was like, dang, I absolutely should have had that in the game. I wish I had thought of that. So a difference here that they took with that Sam character, but Henry and Sam as a whole, very, very similar to who they were or who they were in the game. Now, some of their backstory and how they relate to to where we meet them is pretty different, right? In the game, they're coming from Hartford. It's assumed that it's Hartford, Connecticut, and that they were just passing through Pittsburgh, much like Joel and Ellie, but they kind of got caught up and almost captured by the Hunters. Here, we have Sam and Henry were actually a part of the Kansas City community, which recently fell. Uh, now, Fedra, which controlled the quarantine zone there, fell to the resistance fighters. And Henry and Sam, Henry specifically being a collaborator with Fedra, now he is being hunted, especially because the new leader of the or the leader of the resistance group that overthrew Fedra, her brother uh, was killed uh, by Henry, or at least was uh, what was it? He was ratted out uh, to Fedra. Uh, so uh, different, very different. We've got we're establishing a whole nother quarantine zone. The history behind this quarantine zone. You know, Kansas City, the population, the community, the settlement, if you will, that is a character almost in and of itself. But we're really here, I guess, to first focus on Henry and Sam. What were your takeaways from Henry and Sam in this show, Axel? So uh, one one uh, thought that I have, just to pause here for, for one quick second. Um, what I, I That was a very interesting change you mentioned. So reeling back to the whole element of Sam being deaf, right? Doesn't that ring a bell of something? It's almost like that concept is taken from another storyline for a movie that we're, some of us are very familiar with. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of like horror movie, thriller movie genres that like surround that whole element of, you know, uh, no noise. Think about a John Krasinski movie that just came out a couple of years ago. 
for example, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds Absolutely. very oddly familiar, right? Um, and, you know, I hate to say it this way, but in a sense, if you're not making any noise, that's almost a natural defense against clickers. They can't hear you, but you can see them. And you can communicate without making a sound. So I wanted to mention that because I thought that was actually a brilliant idea in this world, right? What do you think of that? It's it's an interesting way that they introduced that. I 100% see where you're coming from with the fact that having a character in this post-apocalyptic world, having a character that is deaf and can only communicate either you know through through sign or through writing um we've we've seen that now it's interesting how it applies into this into this genre because the some of the antagonistic you know infected characters in the show are blind and only communicate through sound and we have this child who is not blind but cannot communicate through sound has to communicate through through signage so it's an interesting contrast how it is there but uh, i do have to bring this up so uh, uh, what is it a quiet place right a quiet place that's right quiet place a quiet place no sorry yep a quiet place part one and two the john krasinski and emily blunt uh, uh horror films yeah we we've totally seen this before um you know, I think uh, another one that I, another film that I watched very recently too, uh, called uh, "The Silence," uh, starring Stanley Tucci, almost a complete ripoff of *A Quiet Place*. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar story as far as a family trying to escape an apocalyptic episode where one of the children is deaf, uh, deaf, and they can only communicate through sign. So we're seeing this again. You know, I. I don't want to make it sound like it's something trivial, like they're just adding it to add more to it, because I think also something that's important to highlight is that just because we don't see individuals, uh, characters in portrayals of drama, fiction, entertainment, whatever you may have it, uh, just because you do not regularly see characters portrayed that have some kind of lesser ability, like, for example, the lesser ability of being able to com- communicate uh, by way of hearing, uh, that does not make that just because The Last of Us included a character that is hard of hearing, that it's not them trying to be trivial and uh, enter into a fad. There are people, hundreds of thousands of millions of people, <clears throat> excuse me, in the world who are hard of hearing, who are hard of sight, who imagine what it would be like for them to try to survive in this kind of environment so it's more so i think a a matter of uh inclusivity but also just showing a reality for individuals that are not regularly portrayed in media so it's great to have an inclusion of a character like that because you know just because they have this one feature it's not meant to be trivial it's meant to add more depth and more effect to the actual story itself so don't look at it as like a trivial feature just to have inclusivity it's more so to tell a deeper deeper story as far as you know how people would survive period you know across the board exactly it's a much more interesting depth to the character and like we talked about before it's like um we're we're essentially portraying characters differently in this apocalyptic world, 
like how realistically right. we could interact with all types of inclusive people, right? Right. Um, diversity is a huge player now in this in this The Last of Us TV universe we're talking about. So, um, great points, Mike. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I think again, it was a brilliant inclusion uh, of that element and kind of time back to to Henry and Sam a little bit. So, um, I'm sure a lot of fans can agree with me that um, it the story of Henry and Sam was was well thought out in this uh, TV show universe in a sense that we now understand sort of um, how did Henry and Sam survive uh, under Fedra's umbrella. They are what they call now uh, rats or collaborators with Fedra, which is the reason why um, they were in the run, on the run in the first place. And we uh, we sort of understand now like how, how ruthless the Raiders are. Um, it's sort of displayed in the games, but now we start we see the fear factor of innocent people, right? And right. how how you can't really trust anybody. I mean, let's be honest, right. you can't really trust anybody in that in that element. Um, Henry and Sam, uh, survivalists, hundred um, percent. You see uh, them camping out, and and Henry is as just like in the games. He's a highly intelligent, very uh, adaptable character in, in general. He he mentioned a line. Uh, if you caught it on, on the fifth episode where he said, I memorized a pattern of all the soldiers outside just by right. looking at him for 24 hours, right? Right. Um, that's not an easy feat, um, <clears throat> especially whenever, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're essentially scared, you're intimidated, you're, you're stressed out. Uh, but he kind of, he's level-headed. Clearly he has experience with, um, with adaptability and being a soldier, for lack of a better term, right? Um, yeah. Maybe there's more backstory there too, you know, within the quarantine zone. It is, <clears throat> it is interesting. In the game, Henry talks about how he was, I believe, he was like very young when the outbreak still happened. Like he was six right. or something like that. He was a very young guy, uh, kid rather. And uh, so, you know, who knows what his experiences have been for the last twenty years? How long? How much of that was under Fedra? How much of that maybe he did have some kind of experience with mm -hmm. Fedra before he became a collaborator? Who knows? It is important to note, though, that in the game, Fedra in Pittsburgh, it is hinted at that they were ruthless. There were executions. There were body burnings. There were a lot of notes left behind that hinted at the fact that Fedra was ruthless. Uh, in the show, we just kind of basically got a stamp of approval. You know, the, the nail was driven further into the board, uh, you know, by by Henry talking about the fact that they were that they were raper, raping and torturing and manipulating people um, in the quarantine zone to to get their way. So it validates why there would be a resistance movement and why they would overthrow Fedra in such a ruthless and brutal way, as we see in the very beginning of the fifth episode. But yeah, no, it is it is important to, to note on those things as well. And those those subtle changes that they've added to Henry and Sam, subtle hints about what their full story was, but it just might be a story that we're never going to fully learn about and continue to leave it up to, you know, uh, to the imagination of the audience and imagination of what this world could be. But we still get more understanding of who these characters were and how they at least got to that point where they meet Joel and Ellie in the show. Very cool to see how they portrayed it. Yeah. Should we transition to the to the final character, Kathleen, or did you have another thing to bring up about Henry and Sam? 
one last dynamic I want to talk about Henry and Sam is that um, one thing they they stuck true to the story of the original game is the um, again the the theme of love is is a parallel to Ellie and Joel, right? For sure. Um, and I think that that in itself is sort of um, important to keep in mind is that we in in all five episodes it's becoming more and more clear that their experiences together, I mean, Ellie and Joel are driving them closer and closer together, right? Meeting Bill and Frank, understanding their backstory, uh, understanding Joel and Tess and Ellie and their, their backstory and Joel's backstory, right? And Ellie's backstory. Uh, and now the story of Henry and Sam, um, I think Ellie, and this has become, will become more apparent down the line of the story, but I think Ellie, from that experience alone uh, is probably like, you know, finding more value with the people she's around. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and doesn't want to feel as scared. Like she says at the end of the, the episode. Right. Um, and uh, all the way up to the very end of, of Henry and Sam's story. Um, you, you could simply say that their story was, is a parallel of, of Joel and Ellie to the extent that we got to see them. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, they were running away. They were trying to find hope. And they loved each other, right? Um, that is, that's basically the summary of the story of, of Joel and Ellie, right? And I, I love that little concept there, even in the games, right? It, just, it really hits different for, for all of you fans out there. So sure. um, I will now, you know, say Kathleen and Perry and the rest of the, the Raiders, um, interesting add-on to the story and the character development uh, a lot of the fact that they they opened up a whole new door a whole new discussion point for the story of henry and sam and in kansas city in general right um uh, i may be the only one around here saying this but uh i and mike maybe you can agree with me on this i didn't really like the fact uh, of how kathleen interacted with the story um i don't think i think her actress is, is very well known in the community um i think you know, the idea of adding the leadership of the of the Raiders and the backstory was a brilliant idea. But I think, again, uh, thinking twenty years after the outbreak, it felt uh, it felt sort of Walking Dead esque in yeah. terms of character development. There, maybe you can shed some more light onto that. But that's sort of what I what I kind of caught on to their introduction there. So yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Um, so uh, Melanie Linsky is the char- is the actress who plays. Uh, Kathleen, um, her, I'll be frank with you, Axel. I was not a big fan of Ka- the Kathleen character as well as uh, uh, Melanie's portrayal of Kathleen. Uh, you know, no, no, no heart to her acting abilities. I think she's a well known actress in her own right, but I just did not feel that this was. Uh, this was the best casting. Her character didn't add too much for me, at least, into the story. I understand totally that this is a comparison between what one is willing to do for those that they love. What Henry was willing to do for Sam, he was willing to give up Kathleen's brother. And because he gave up Kathleen's brother, uh, Kathleen was willing to you know, put all things aside and have her 
her number one goal be now that Fedra has been overthrown is to get the people who collaborated with Fedra, particularly Sam or excuse me, particularly Henry, because he ratted out her brother and, and kill him and in effect kill uh, Sam as well. I get that dynamic and I get what the writers are trying to do by like constantly make this something that, you know, let's say by the end of the show, we're really going to look at the relationship between Joel and Ellie and compare it to all the relationships that we've come across, compare it to Bill and Frank, uh, compare it to Kathleen and her brother Michael, who was killed by uh, Henry or who was ratted out by Henry, comparing Henry and Sam. I'm sure there's going to be more characters further down the line that we're going to be doing the same comparison. But just adding that one into this mix or making this be the story behind why Henry and Sam are trying to escape Kansas City. I get it. I get it that it was something that maybe they could have condensed into one episode or episode and a half or two to kind of get it get it going and move on with it. But I just feel like that it was a little it was a little weak in my mind. And uh, and it was it was uh, just not the best portrayal of it. Kathleen did not strike me as a character who had been living in a post-apocalyptic world under a very brutal and masochistic uh, Fedra for 20 years. You know, the, it just didn't it didn't mesh with me. It didn't seem all that believable. I felt like they could have done something else with her character or or had someone else portray her character to make it come off that. Um, you know, Fedra was overthrown, but Fedra was overthrown by a faction that's basically going to be worse than Fedra, right? Which is what the hunters in Pittsburgh were in the video game. So, you know, it, it didn't it didn't mesh that well with me. Granted, we do see these hunters in the show, you know, executing people right after overthrowing Fedra, being absolutely brutal with Fedra. So they're, they're they they suck. They are not a good people to run across. But I don't know. It just it's something about it. I think that leadership dynamic too. It was not a. Uh, it was not great. But it was great uh, to see uh, Perry, who's played by Jeffrey Pierce, who does the voice of Tommy in the video game. Uh, his character was pretty cool, uh, even though we see him get uh, ripped apart uh, at the end of the fifth episode. You know, it's it's cool to have another. Uh, you know cameo of uh, uh of a voice actor who does voice acting for the video game pop up into the uh to the actual show but i guess kathleen for me it's gonna be uh it's gonna have a negative effect in my overall grade for these two episodes x-man mike you know honestly goes a long way so you know definitely appreciate your opinion um i couldn't agree with you more uh, i think it was half-heartedly added on there um, and, uh, I, you know, many, many fans will probably like disagree with me when I say this, but Walking Dead had its moments early on in the, in its, in its tenure, but it's really been dragged on. And whenever you, th- you think of the concept of Kathleen, like running this, this whole rebel organization, like you definitely get like this, like, what was his name? Deegan vibes, uh, from the Negan. Walking Dead. Negan, Negan vibes. Yeah. Negan vibes from yeah. the, from the Walking Dead. And. Uh, that was probably the, the time that I stopped watching the, the Walking Dead. Yeah, so yeah, same, um, same. I uh, I definitely right around 2016, I think 2015, 16. That's when I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. <laughs> that, that's how far removed we are, right? right. So I think you know, uh, totally respect the creative liberty to, of adding a backstory, but 
some things in that story were somewhat unnecessary. But um, again, if if we put it all together, um, I think it was sort of necessary for the means of an end to like Henry and Sam and move the story forward and understand what was going on and in what we know as Kansas City. Um, and I have a lot of opinions about that. So what I'd love to start off with by saying is, and I'm not. I'm going to be as biased as I possibly can be. Uh, I actually think you know it was good that we didn't go to Pittsburgh, right? Uh, we are logistically much closer to our next destination in the story, which is Wyoming. Uh, and you know, I think at the same time too, we kind of understand how how different uh, quarantine zones were interacting in the in the world, more so in the the ones we're familiar with. So again, The Last of Us TV show universe. Um, we understand in this world that there are no affected in the city. They're all they were all chased underground for all we know, right? Um, there was a, the rebel rebels took over the Fedra uh, strongholds, so you know the people rule sort of kingdom of their own, right, so to speak. But right. the elements are still the same. We get into the town, they get ransacked. Joel, you know, fights off like a badass. All the all the rebels, and then um, we meet Henry and Sam, and then go through the town of what we know as Kansas City, right? So um, one thing I will say, though, and uh, I hope that I can get some following on this too, but how in the hell are we five episodes in and there's every piece of clothing we've seen so far doesn't have a single scratch, a single spot. Uh, They look like they were literally dry cleaned yesterday. Um, Take a deeper look into what Henry and Sam are wearing in episode five. They're wearing puffer jackets that look like North Face that were bought from REI yesterday. And if that's the case, please send me that Amazon link because I want to buy that tomorrow. <laughs> um, I kid you not. I think this uh, this is a, you know one of the things we were afraid of in the pilot episode was how we're going to portray the characters. Also, how can you be so clean shaven if you've been in hiding for you know what fourteen plus days? Right. Right. I think there's yeah. got to be. There's definitely a lot of question marks there. I mean. Um, it's not a game anymore. You can't just skip over in time and, and act like you're you're the same looking person you were six months ago. Um, right. you, you have to. We, we need to take into some consideration like personal hygiene and like the clothes you're wearing, if, especially when you're fighting off an army of infected. Um, right. So I need to. I want to raise that as a as a point of concern, Mike. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> yeah. No. The world transitioning into our conversation about the world. Yeah. There. There's. I think in the first couple episodes, it, they were doing a really, really good job about making the world as believable as possible. And I think they're still doing a good job when it comes to the environment, the setting itself. But there are some some small things like the clothing and such like that, which it, it's almost Walking Dead again. You know, like it just is not Absolutely. that believable. You know, I'll reference this. This was kind of funny. Uh, and this was years ago. I was watching The Walking Dead. Uh, and I believe uh, my mom was watching an episode with it. I think I was home on break or something like that. My mom was watching Walking Dead, and uh, she saw one of the scenes, and she was like, oh, this show's not super not believable. I was like, Mom, why do you say that? And you see, like, she's like, you see how that woman's nails look? My nails wouldn't look like that if I was in the middle of the uh, of uh, apocalypse, of <laughs> a zombie apocalypse. Like a couple weeks into it, or, or a couple months in, my nails wouldn't look that pretty. So it's one of those things where it's right. like, you know what? I know we're getting super duper nitpicky about it, but when, first of all, when you drop 
millions and millions of dollars into this show like HBO has, you would think that they would be, you know, like pretty, pretty attentive to very finite details like that. Now, granted, the writing, the production, the CGI, the 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 stunts, the 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 equipment that they have, yeah, no, it all it's firing on all cylinders. But you know what? Those little things are the things that really make this believable. That it makes you know little kids go to bed at night after watching an episode like that and believe that this is actually happening somewhere in the world, you know? I think that's that's what really kind of sets it up a power. And when I say little kids, I'm talking about myself. My my little self going to bed being like, "Oh damn, I need to I need to make sure that my shotgun's loaded before <laughs> I fall asleep." But <clears throat> you know, it's it's one of those things that I think it's if they start overlooking these kind of little things it just does not make the world feel as livable not as believable as it was in the video game where in the Mm -hmm. video game you know they they really spend a lot of time on all the small details and they get it right so you know it's it's one of those things where that's one of those elements where if they can't really give it more justice you know that's one of the things where the last of us video game has the tv show beat to some degree mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so it is something i'm glad that you had brought that up it is something that yeah it, it's starting to get a little annoying and we'll see how much more annoyed we are further on into the show because i feel like that's something that we're going to continue to pick up on hopefully we're wrong about this but we'll just have to uh we'll just have to wait and see on that uh talking about this world that we see we've beat the dead horse about this is in pittsburgh it's kansas city uh so many times but now that we are in kansas city and when we're seeing what it's all about we're seeing what this world is in the show it is definitely different from what i think we've seen in the game obviously we weren't in kansas city but you know this concept that the military was able to drive all of the infected all underground and then clear out the underground different from the game in many ways where you know the world you know i want to hark on this right now the the sewer scene that we have in the uh in the show rather it's not even the sewer it's just like tunnels that are underneath uh the city of uh the city of kansas city in the video game these are sewers outside of pittsburgh and the sewers was one of the most terrifying portions of the game i mean absolutely horrifying dark Nobody there, infested with infected. You know, there's a scene where uh, uh, Henry and Sam get separated, or sorry, Joel and Sam get separated from Henry and Ellie, and uh, uh, Joel winds up relying on Henry to keep Ellie safe, and vice versa. You know, it was such a dramatic scene where in the show, there's a lot of homage to it with the community that lives underground with the the drawing of ish which was a direct uh, homage to the video game so we're covering some homage points right now but it just like it kind of a missed opportunity too you could have made it real creepy and scary underground they were creepy when they were first going through the tunnels and we thought there was definitely going to be a, a a clicker that pops right around the corner but we not didn't just get that not just clickers too but we're, we're missing a whole other stage stalkers of too stalkers yeah, right which in a sense uh big fans of the game would know that are actually a little bit more terrifying than clickers because they actually yeah. have the 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 they have the the uh, the eyesight of a, of a runner 
with the strength of a clicker, basically. Right. Right. So right. that the weird hybrid, and also the way they behave, um, is very like erroneous. You can't predict their movements so simply because um, they can hide, run, and hide. They sneak uh, up on you. They sneak up on you. you. They hunt you. Yeah. Right. Right. Which yeah. was a big. That kind of drove it home for me in the games. It's like I'm a big horror movie fan. You can ask me about any horror movie there is. I've probably seen it. Um, and that's the reason why I really like The Last of Us. It's like it's it's a thriller slash horror uh, genre where you're you again going back to what I said in episode one and a pilot episode. Neil is is a genius when it comes to playing on fear and build up a fear. Um, we didn't really see that here as much as we did in the games. And again, uh, in a sense, that could be for the better. Again, the focus was on character development versus the fear factor. Um, but like you said, Mike, one, the biggest thing that drove us home as fans was that scene in the, in the sewers, which we know in a TV show universe was the, uh, the, the, tu- the tunnels in particular. Yeah. So no fear there. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a bummer. Um, but I will say though that it really made up on, on its one to one in the uh, the final showdown. So we talk about the the sniper level, the infamous sniper level of Pittsburgh. So, right. uh, the outskirts of the town of Kansas City. So we know that Joel goes out and sets out to find uh, the the long distance sniper. Um, goes ahead and you know knocks him out just like he does in a game, and then. It's almost like the camera angles, the whole scene set up was exactly what you see in the game. Like Joel is in charge of fending off uh, both the military, or in this case the Raiders, as well as the infected. And the way it goes down is, again, a little bit more uh, of a conflict of you know between Henry and everything of Henry's past coming together. And then we started to see this the foreshadow we saw in episode four when it comes to the actual infected. We've been waiting for... How many episodes right. now? Three episodes for this? And we so finally we got the bloater. Finally Thank you. got the bloater. Sorry, and everyone listening at home. <laughs> we are really going to break your speakers, so uh, be careful yes. with the audio volume here. Um, so we finally see the bloater. Sound, character representation, strength, everything was one-to-one there super great to see that and see perry getting ripped apart and shreds like you can see the pure strength of this of this armored beast right Right. um i can't you know tell you how many times i've had to use up all my ammo trying to kill one of those things so uh it's great to see that i'm not alone on this one even in the show but uh one thing i want to harp on on the homage to the game is that uh there's actually an episode in in the dlc of the game that's called or chapter rather, um, that's called "The Enemy of My Enemy Is My Friend." Right? Think about that for a minute. In in this realm, the, the infected are agnostic to who they attack. Right? There's no, they don't care who it is. They don't care if it's you as a player, or you, or the people you're trying to fend off against. For them, it's just food. Or rather, they're they're trying to uh, expand their network of fungus. So, we have the infected. It kind of plays in their favor, right? They don't have to waste ammo. They don't have to fend off against the military. The infected will do that for them. But it puts them at risk too. It's a, it's a double-edged sword in a sense. And I love how, uh, again, the, the complexity of that is is finally coming to play here when you think of the, the whole story of The Last of Us. Like, um, 
everybody's trying to survive and you you have to fight off humans but and infect at the same time. So what happens when you put them all in one battlefield? Complete and utter war zone. Like that's that's the best way to describe it. So uh, you can see the fear, you can see them try to fend off and then you can see that the uh, the terrifying force of of the clickers and how you know they can interact with environments very similar to the game. Unfortunately, what we see you know at the end is uh, you know more of a one to one conclusion to what we've been waiting for and like it's a very tearful sort of goodbye to. Hold on, before we get to that point, because I have I have a gripe to pick actually with that the way that episode ended. And the, the the what happened to to Henry and Sam, um, you know the introduction of the bloater. Great to finally have that. You know I think when they were they teased that in the trailer, a lot of people were super hyped up for it. It's great to finally see it. We had a huge showdown between uh, the the hunters and the infected, and just how that scene played out. Like just an awesome, scary, action packed scene. Um, Something that we have never seen in The Last of Us, video game or show. I need to bring this up. We saw a clicker child, actually, for the first time, too. Very true. Very we true. never saw that in the video game, ever. So the fact that we get a clicker child is pretty freaking scary and cool, too. That mm-hmm. little kid that's able to sneak into all the same small little crevices that Ellie is able to get into. Damn, that was terrifying, creepy, and really cool all at the same time. But yeah, no, how that how that scene transpired with the final showdown, uh, Henry, Sam, Ellie, and Joel getting out of there. You know, it was it was cool to finally get that. I believe that is the major climactic, you know, infected scene that we are going to get in this season don't know if we're gonna get that again maybe maybe not but i had in in my research of people who have watched the entire season who got access to the entire season i believe this is the climactic infected scene that we we were told about so who knows if we're gonna get something similar to that again at least in this season but pretty 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 cool to to see all right the the henry and sam scene Let's call it for what it is, because our fans watching this show right now know exactly what happened. So, Sam getting infected happens exactly the same in the game. We should all know this. Uh, Sam and Ellie's interaction, Sam telling Ellie that he's infected, does not happen in the game. Ellie trying to help him also obviously doesn't happen in the game. That is, I think... uh, that is a pretty concrete addition to the story because it very much so emphasizes how Ellie does see herself as a potential cure, how much she cares to use her own blood, hurt herself, if you will, to help others, you know, hopefully with her own blood. Obviously, it, it's proven that that's, that's, that that's not possible, at least in the way that she tried it. But that is an added element of depth. I think it also is going to be a huge callback, maybe something that they're going to show later on in the Left Behind episode with Ellie and Riley. But I think Ellie agreeing to stay up and watch after uh, Sam to see if he turns, I think that's going to be something that is later going to be hard at. And hopefully we can get a little bit more... uh, clarity as to what happens to ellie and riley after they get 
both get bitten and how riding up into the sunset or or I believe go crazy together as they called it in the game how they're going to show that in the show but that was an interesting element you know including uh, you know diverting from the game and giving Sam the opportunity to tell Ellie that he's infected and see how they respond to it too I think that was I think that was pretty cool what happens immediately after and i'm sorry to kind of spotlight myself on this axel but i did not like that scene i thought i immediately after watching the episode i watched uh that scene in the video game again and i just felt like in the video game that scene is just way more like it happens it it's a massive slap in the face to you huge hit of reality and it's just black screen cue to the next season is season meaning i believe this is the transition now into fall because they were in summer throughout uh boston uh bill's town and pittsburgh and now they're going into fall um that's it's that's that, that that i didn't like it i didn't like how they showed it in in the show i thought it was dramatic it was intense it was sad but it wasn't as mm, it just didn't hit me as hard in the in the show as opposed to the game granted when i watched i there's probably some bias in there where i was 19 years old when i watched that happen in the video game and it hit me pretty hard definitely did not see that coming i think a lot of people didn't see that coming um uh, you know in the uh in the show as well but it just it didn't have it. It did not have the same impact for me. It it really did not. Having Ellie knowing, basically, that Sam might turn, as opposed to it being the big surprise to everyone that Sam did turn. Uh, you know, it, it just it didn't seem the same. And and Henry committing suicide. I think the actor who portrayed Henry in the video game that those five seconds between right after Henry kills. Uh, Sam to when Henry kills himself. I think the acting uh, that the motion cap that they did with that actor who played Henry in the video game was phenomenal and very, very emotional. And when you put them side by side with one another, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, Lamar Johnson, who played Henry in the TV show, play, did a phenomenal job. But I just think, uh, you know, he. He, it was tough. It was tough, I think, to top it as it was portrayed in the video game. But he did a good job, but I'm sorry. But as a die, the diehard Last of Us fan for me, inside of me, just it wasn't the same. Axel, what was your take of it? Uh, I, you know, before I dive into sort of my, my thoughts and emotions around there, I will say, though, that that scene always hits, hits home for sure. You know, I think, right. like you said perfectly summarized you face reality pretty quickly when you when you see that scene um it's one of my favorite scenes in a game and it's very beautifully portrayed in the games like uh let's kind of talk specifics here so two there's two sentences in that that whole uh comp composition of a scene that really hit home and one of one of them is what is your greatest fear and Ellie says, you know, ending up alone, right? Mm -hmm. um, that will become more and more unique as the season goes goes on. Um, and then the vice versa is Henry says, oh, sorry, not Henry. Sam says, 
do you think that the person who's infected is still in there somewhere? And that's where things get interesting um, is that I actually looked into some research around the cordyceps virus and uh, just some uh, fun fun fact, maybe not necessarily fun fact, but a fact about the cordyceps virus that's actually proven is that uh, at least a speculation from the, for, through research is that it, the fungus itself, when it infects ants, for example, um, doesn't actually impact or impair the brain function. So you, as a, as a person, as an entity, as an as a insect, you are able to, to think and see and have a consciousness, but the, the fungus infects your muscle system, your nervous system, right? So imagine being fully awake, fully aware, fully conscious of all the things you're doing, but you can't do a thing about that. That in itself is probably the most scariest concept in really any story, right? Um, and that just adds a much more believable element to that story. Um, now, kind of going back to what you were saying about the way they, they portrayed the story um, against a game, I agree with you. I, I actually didn't like the fact that they, they showed Henry's bite mark the way they did in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was, it, it was much more interesting in the games for them to have that conversation and then henry sort of henry i keep saying henry i mean sam i mean sam i'm guilty of it too (laughs) i mean sam the little guy um you know and having him having to come to terms with the fact that he's gonna this is end game for for him right right um i think it just really drove home like that hopelessness feeling uh and made it a lot more believable in a sense. I don't know. Uh, I also really, in the games, you sort of see like Ellie's panicking in, in that scene. Like she's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. And you see the, the fear in her, her, her voice, but you, you even don't, you don't see a speck of that in the show. She was right. almost so shocked that she didn't say anything. Right? right. And, um, again, I do like the fact that they cut to black right after that scene in the game. I think that really added a lot of, because ambiguity, like what happened in between, we don't know, but it right. was kind of like, hey, don't, let's not, let's not talk about it. You know, right. it's pretty better. Let's end their, let's end their story peacefully the way it's supposed right. to be. Right. right. Um, so, you know, I think again, in the show is different though. In the show, yeah. it, there's no cut to black. You get, you cut to Joel and Ellie burying their bodies and then you get a cut to, to Ellie being like, all right, let's go. Let's come on. Let's yep. move on. Which is what Joel was in the game. You know, Joel right. was the one who was like, all right, we got to move on. And Ellie was the one who was kind of like still holding on to the memory. Ellie always held on something that is not portrayed in the show whatsoever. But in the video game, Sam and Henry and Joel and Ellie pass through a, a gift shop. And Henry or excuse me, see, I'm guilty of it as well. Henry, uh, Sam picks up a Transformer action figure and wants to take it does uh, henry doesn't allow him so ellie picks it up and gives mm-hmm. it to him the night before he turns right. there's no element of this in in the in the in the show but in the video game ellie always holds on to that transformer toy because that was her reminder of sam like one of her first friends outside her first friend outside of the quarantine zone one of the few friends she's probably ever had in her life you know someone that she connected with they didn't have that in the in the show at all and 
they portray Ellie completely differently from the game where Ellie always held on to that empathy, always held on to mm-hmm. that memory. You know, once they arrive to Wyoming, Ellie's thinking about, oh, crap, I should have left. I sh- we should have done more to their graves. We should have done this, this, and that. And Joel's like, no, we need to, f- just like with Tess, we forgot about Tess. We need to forget about Henry and Sam. Ellie on the others on the in the show, Ellie's the one who's almost portraying elements of Joel, where she's just like, okay, we just need to hurry up and move on, just kind of forget about it and move on to the next challenge that's in front of us. We can't stick around and sulk on the sorrow of losing two people who we only just met. You know, uh, different man, different from the game and uh, very I, different, almost. You know, I think certain people are looking at the at Bella Ramsey's portrayal of Ellie and Ellie in the TV show as opposed to the game, and she's she's only becoming more and more different from who Ellie was in the game, and almost portraying Ellie in the show as more of like this robotic character that doesn't have so much emotion. Like we do see uh, lights of it. She she goes high and low, right? She goes she can be very low where she just channels things out and you uh, is able to kill and you know when Joel's trying to console her for it she's like no it's okay let's just move on i've done this before kind of thing it's very different i'm very curious to see how they further develop this because it's it's a different ellie than what we're used to and it's an ellie where when we have more scenes like this it's going to be it's probably going to impact our opinion on how it's being portrayed and whether or not it's being as impactful as it was in the game. So maybe there's a bias in there, but I'm sure we're not the only Last of Us fans that are watching this and probably having the similar reactions to this. You know, Overall, it's positive, but there's still some of these elements where please, you know, Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin, please connect the dots on this so that way by the time we hit the end of the last episode it all makes sense and it all pieces it together don't leave us with a you know with a sour taste in our mouth so that was my uh, reaction i think as a whole to these two episodes and just kind of where we leave it on this at the end of this fifth episode where it's good i mean it was an interesting two episodes i the progression further is is going good but they've taken some uh, some differences where you know i can't say they're bad but they're different and they're impacting my overall grade i would say but any final thoughts uh, from you axel as a whole for this uh, episode four and five i think you know what this means mike right i think it's time Let's for the scorecard and without further ado <laughs> drum roll please i give this episode an 8.5 out of 10 and 8.5 the reason being is that again i really really enjoyed the latter half of of uh episode four and episode five with the final showdown and and infected and sort of seeing a whole different side of of uh of the world and also you know how well for the most part they they portrayed the characters negative points again for the costume design um, Kathleen's character, and then also uh, the way they they truly finalized the uh, possibly the, the saddest scene of of uh, right. Henry and Sam's story. Um, you know, I think it's a fair grade. Uh, it's not perfect. It's a strong B plus to a B. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that the the latter half of the season will will pick up from where we left off and show a lot more 
uh, a lot more better representation of what we're looking for as, as fans of The Last of Us. Mike, what do you what do you think of that? Axel, drum roll, please. I don't know if it's catching up on your microphone on on your end, but you know I'm gonna man. This one was a tough one to grade. Um, a part of me wants to give this show, this these two episodes as a whole, somewhere in the seas. Not going to lie to you. I think I'm being a little too nice, but I think I'll give them a solid flat 8.0. No decimals after. Just a solid B. B minus, I guess okay. I would say. Even solid B minus. Um a lot of the things that you had mentioned too, uh, the, uh, the 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 world. There, there's some good things about the world. There's some bad things. Some blatant, you know, things. I think that I kind of overlook that their art department or their costume department could have gone a little bit further to make it more believable. Kathleen's character just doesn't didn't sit too well with me. I think the the character dynamic between Henry Sam and Kathleen and her brother that weird element to the final scene right there about uh, Henry and Sam's death and just the way that it the bow at the end of it is Ellie's response to Sam and Henry's death. For me, it's just so different. It's just got me so out of cue. I'm honestly very curious to hear how uh, fans of the show but not of the game, meaning fans who have not played the game and are jumping into the show, you know, not knowing anything, what their response to it, whether or not it was as impactful as it was in the game. Um, it's just, it's just. It, I think they've moved on through this chapter in the story. I think they did, you know, a very passable, very passable way. I wouldn't call it great or excellent, but very passable. There were good, some very good things that they did as well. But overall, it was, uh, it was two episodes that I think progressed the story. Uh, but didn't progress too too much of the lore that we were hoping for, particularly with this, with this how heavy this this plot arc is in the game, and how they were going to embed it into into the show. So, uh, yeah, solid eight point zero for me. Uh, hopefully, they pick it up in the next four episodes. But you know, Axel, I think one last thing for us to talk about is we are past the halfway mark. We are five episodes in we've only got four more episodes left there's still a ton of stuff that needs to be covered if they're gonna still do the first game so what are they gonna do let's give some very quick predictions on where we think this is going just talking episodes so we got four four more episodes what else do we have to cover we've got to cover wyoming we've wyoming. got to cover we've got to cover the university we've got to cover david's community right we have to cover left behind we have to cover salt lake city and then we have to cover joel and ellie's return back to wyoming how they're going to condense these six locations is going to be very interesting to me we're definitely going to get tommy and wyoming in the next episode we already got this in the in the uh what, what, what are they called the trailer for the next episode we know that we're meeting tommy Maybe they're going to combine the university and Tommy into one episode, right? Then we would potentially get maybe the Left Behind episode. Maybe we'd get the David episode. 
that's got to come in there. Maybe those two are their own thing as well, right? So we get I'm about to do uh, uh, what is this? The the tricky <laughs> side, but we've got Tommy's Town and University. Then we've got Left Behind and David. That's two episodes right there. Maybe Salt Lake is its own episode, and then maybe the 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 ending when they return back to Tommy's Town. Jackson is the mm. last one. Maybe something like that. What do you think, Axel? Uh, I think the episodes from here on out are going to be about the same length. Um, so, you know, if they could squeeze a good amount of those, the storylines there into, into that, then I'm a little bit concerned over missing like important pop, uh, plot points from the game in the next few episodes. I do genuinely, you know, uh, stick by the fact that I mentioned a pilot episode where we don't have as much fluff from the games, uh, in the show. So we yeah. can probably skip a lot of the, um, some some of the interactions we had in the in the game in the show, um, I will be tremendously sad if I don't see another bloater for the rest of the season. I'll just say that right now, uh, and I'm I'm hoping I'm not the only one who agrees with that. Here, freaking here, Axel. Yep. I really hope I really hope you see infected again, right. and we probably right. will at least once or twice more. But another bloater, woo, that Ooh, would be nice. That would be great. That'd, That'd be, be nice. fantastic. But um, yeah, I think. We already know the episode titles. We know kind of with the direction of where we're going to go in the next next few. But um, again, our guess is as good as. Do you want to run through those real? Do you want to run through those real quick? You know what? Uh, I have I, would I have them pulled up right here for you. So uh, the next episode that we have is going to be called Kin Seven. Oh, we we should have looked at this before we started pr- uh, making hypotheses. Episode six is called Kin. Episode seven is called Left Behind. Episode 8 is When We Are In Need, and Episode 9 has still not been announced, so we do not know what the finale is called. But, okay, cool. Ken, Tommy. So we definitely get Tommy. Obviously, we know this. We're hitting it again on the head. We're getting Tommy in the next episode. We get Left Behind in the seventh episode, though. Mm -hmm. So Left Behind, okay. Maybe I'm right here. I'm going on a guess. But we get Tommy and we get University in the sixth episode. We get Left Behind and David in the seventh episode. And then eight and nine. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe Tommy or, excuse me, David is also going to bleed into a little bit of the eighth episode. And the ninth episode is just going to be Salt Lake City. Maybe, right? Yeah. We got we to gotta see how they do it. Right. But I am tremendously excited to uh, to hear more about Ellie's backstory and finally, finally get a chance to see what happened to Ellie's mom after all these years. Oh, man. Yeah, we still have uh, Ashley Johnson's portrayal of Anna that we have to see. Man, right. When are they going to put that in? You know, Is that going to be... There was no prequel, by the way, in this last two episodes, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's that's another good point. Where where'd the cold opens go, Neil? We're missing out yeah. on on this on this no, flashback no, no, scene. No, no prequel, no kind of flashbacks in these last two episodes. It's very much so in the current. You know, maybe maybe do we get? You know, this episode's called Kin. Maybe you know we get a flashback that starts out the episode. We meet Anna and see what happened to her when she was giving birth to to Ellie because the only promotional 
uh, information that we've received about Ashley Johnson's character portrayal is that she plays Anna, who has to give birth under very serious, uh, what is it, under very, I'm trying to remember what the quote was exactly, but under very dramatic circumstances mm-hmm. or something like that. So, let's see. Maybe we'll see Ashley Johnson's portrayal in the next episode. Maybe we get it in Left Behind, because Left Behind as a whole is a big flashback, right? Right. So maybe we'll get it there, but this isn't a flashback of something that Ellie can remember, obviously, too, right? This is a flashback of, like, her mom's memory. So I think right. they've got to... They're, they're going to try and tie that in somehow smoothly. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see, but, man, they've got a lot they got to cover in four episodes. A lot they got to cover in four episodes. We could talk about this for it's hours, big, folks, but you know, at the same we time, can. we we just got to wait and see at the end of the day. Yeah. Makes me sad, too, to realize that we're more than halfway through already. Right. We we're just right. start. We're just having fun. We're just starting to have real good fun, and already they're about to yank it away from us. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things, Mike. Seriously. This is why we can't have nice things. It's, it's also why they're going to take probably three, <laughs> four years before they film the next season yeah. of The Last of Us. So, right. They yeah, really, they really like to keep anything. They really like to tease you. I know for a fact they do. Yeah. So. Definitely. <laughs> well. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning in today for another episode of Looking for the Light with myself, uh, your co-host, Michael Ablev, and my wonderful co-host, Axel Hamill. It's been awesome talking about The Last of Us HBO series with you guys and the different homages, callbacks, and, uh, you know, different uh, awesome words to describe flashbacks uh, here uh, for the video game. But it's uh, it's been a wild ride thus far. We're having a lot of fun. We would love to see your comments down in the comment section below. Get your opinions and maybe some things that we didn't hark on in this episode that you would like for us to hark on in future episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback, guys. So drop a comment down in the comment section. Give us a like. Subscribe to Axel's channel. Hit the bell so that way you get a notification when we drop the next episode. And thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you guys uh, are finding the light as gleefully as we are, y'all. Thanks again, and stay safe. Stay safe, y'all.